The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or Robots, and I am here, as usual, with my good buddy, Lotus of Doom. Because we've got some uh, cyborg from the future to talk about. That's what we're doing the, today. Yeah, this is going to get weird. <laughs> this is going to get super weird because this is the beginning of our series of the weird and wacky lore and theories that the community has about the weird and wacky lore. And this is going to be our first episode because, you know, we just wrapped up Mid-Year Mayhem. And Mid-Year Mayhem is all about Pel- Pelinal Whitestrike. And we did an episode about Pelinal Whitestrike that stuck to all of the, like, core bits of lore. Like, the verifiable, like, this is more realistic, let's just say, bits, right? Yeah. The core details. This, right. It's, uh, I would refer to this as, like, I don't, I mean... The the lengths that people like to delve into different things, like Arimetheus from Written Uncertainty, mm-hmm. he goes into the you know philosophical side of things, and we kind of just do like a here's a here's a core concept, here's something in the lore. We'll kind of give you like an overview of it and and a layout, so you have an understanding of it at a surface value. Yeah, foundational. We usually go over the foundational bits. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas. That stuff is generally kind of accepted as a thing. Now, there's variations on it. Like we had some great discussions uh, while we were doing the divines where there was some debate on like, well, do they get their power from worshipers, which was a really fascinating way of like, well, we kind of portrayed it as it it is. But like, well, there's questions like, is it necessarily that so much is still unknown, you know, but. You can have debate over that within what you are given from the games. We're not doing any of that with this. This is wild <laughs> speculation based on wacky theories. Yeah. That kind of. I mean, this one is hysterical to me in a way that it's like, in a lot of ways, it actually kind of seems totally probable. It's OK. So. So, yeah. So l- let me let me just uh, set this up. In order to do this episode, I spent a good amount of time digging into the reasons why people think this is a thing. And what is the thing? Well, the thing is, Pelinal Whitestrake, some people believe, is a gay 
cyborg from the future who has been sent back in time in order to stop the elves from ruining the future for mankind for the manish races this is this is the theme or maybe for all of existence who knows exactly the full implement uh, the full extent of that but that's the theory and this is one of those theories that gets joked about in memes it's all over the internet and so i decided to come at it from a perspective of okay what is the foundational information what do we have in the lore what do we have what quotes do we have what things do we have in the books and that's the first half of this episode we're going to be going over the specific details that only exist in the games the things that the developers would say you know it, usually if you ask the developer is is this canon the answer is usually well is it in the game is yes. it in a game then it is canon if it's not in a game or if it's speculated from things in the games then it maybe is but it may not be because it depends on what they do in future games and how they flesh that out in more detail right so so that's where we're starting the second half yeah. of this episode we're going to dig into the reasons why people feel pretty firmly or at least some people feel pretty firmly that this may may be a real thing because there are some outside of games references that really do substantiate it so that's that's where we're coming from and uh i just wanted to say th hi to hi to twitch chat hi everybody and also if you're listening on the discord in our live showroom we have a stage in discord now where you can listen to the live episodes if you can join us for the video version so welcome to everybody and if you're at home listening to the podcast or watching a video on youtube hello to you as well so lots of different options trying to make this as possible as op you know option rich as possible for everybody who's listening so yeah Lo lotus why don't we dive into this so all right first to start out with i in order to understand anything at all you have to understand who wrote it and why you have to understand the context of, of the reason why something is written this works for histories this works for philosophy and theology, even science sometimes. Um, so let's talk about this. The first references to Pelina Whitestrake come from the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And I I was a little bit surprised by this because I remember digging into this topic back when we did the episode, but usually this wacky, weird stuff comes from like early games. We've talked about this a lot. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, that showed up in Daggerfall or that showed up in, yeah. in Arena or something, right? Right. Oh, that was a Battle Spire reference or <laughs> right. whatever. Well, that's not too common, but. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But um, this one, this actually starts in Oblivion. As far as I can tell, the earliest references are in Oblivion and specifically in the Knights of the Nine expansion. And the author behind the documents that got shared in that expansion is Michael Kirkbride. If anybody knows who Michael Kirkbride is, he if there's some weird and wacky lore stuff, he's probably the source of it. He's the guy who uh, basically defined all the weird and wackiness that was Morrowind, all the crazy concepts of gods mantling gods and all the super philosophical stuff, all the crazy re religious references and twists of real world religions into mm -hmm. things that work in the game. A lot of that stuff comes from Michael Kirkbride, not all of it, but a lot of it. And he's kind of foundational yeah. in that. He worked with the company for a number of years. So Lotus, did you want to chime in? Yeah, no, and a lot of the more unique things um, 
that the series is known for, Michael Kirkbride uh, tends to be associated with them. Um, after his departure, it's it's kind of a mixed bag whether you wanted to, because he kind of continued writing even after he no longer was associated with Bethesda. Um, he mm-hmm. kind of just kept writing Elder Scrolls lore anyways, but he was responsible for a lot of it. So I think he, it's kind of having like your writings taken away from you because we've made reference several times that the writing has changed because the teams to these games have changed. And that's going to be kind of an awkward thing to have when you kind of sculpt your portion of the world. And then you're no longer associated with that IP anymore. And it carries on without you but that was your bit of writing. So I can understand like still wanting to write if that's something you're passionate about, uh, which he very much did with Coda and other things to varying degrees of whether I like them or not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and he's also been responsive in answering questions on online forums that fans have, you know, specifically asked and those kinds of things. But of course, all of that stuff is extra game. It is, it is beyond the scope of what was specifically in the games. And so of course the developers have the rights to use, the full extent of what he was thinking or to revise it as the games move on right that is totally in the purview of the developers because they hired him to write and then only included what they wanted of his writings in the games so so let's let's kick this off so michael kirkbride and this is according to information about him online uh, is a former designer from bethesda softworks who was the art director and writer for redguard and morrowind so he worked on these games with todd from todd's start on the, on the Elder, Elder Scrolls. He notes he had a very minimal role in Daggerfall, drawing 16-bit palette paintings, and for Battlespire, he mostly consulted with fellow writers uh, Richard Guy, Ken Rolston, and Julian LaFay. He is still active in the Elder Scrolls community despite leaving the company before Tribunal's development. He's responsible for a large amount of lore in the Elder Scrolls universe and was asked by Bethesda to author a few in-game books for Oblivion and was consulted during the writing portion of Skyrim. That's the full extent of his his being involved with these things. So once mm-hmm. once Morrowind was done, he was just kind of brought in for some very specific work and paid to do that work. And he wasn't a regular full time writer or artist. He was just somebody who was just writing some things because they asked him to lend his writing to to the world so that's that's where we start off so let's see what he actually wrote now most of his writings come from the song of pelinal and the song of pelinal is is a book that shows up in oblivion specifically in knights of the nine it's broken up into multiple parts and in part two and i'm only pulling the parts of this because this is fairly long we're not going to go over all of it i'm pulling the parts of it that lead to uh people coming to conclusions about specific concepts so Let's look about why people think that Pelinal might be from the future. Well, in uh, Song of Pelinal uh, version two or V2, it's it's just called V2. um, It says, and then, and there's brackets and the brackets tend to mean places where um, there is missing text. If you were to get like an old, if you were to find like an old manuscript and it has like holes in the paper, you can kind of assume what the words are in the missing holes because of the the concept of what you're reading right it makes it flow when the the writing itself doesn't quite have that normal flow to it and it's like you kind of it's a little bit of fill in the blank with the most logical thing you need there to make it 
connect. Right, right. So it says here, and then Kine, and we just talked about Kine recently, granted Peroff another symbol, a diamond soaked red with the blood of elves. Right, blood of elves. We talked about Pelinal killing all these elves and even mistaking Khajiit as elves, which sounds crazy, but it happened. Whose, and that's in brackets, facets could, again, brackets, unsector and form, and brackets. So facets could unsector and form into a man whose every angle could cut her jailers and a name, Pelin L, which is the Star Made Knight. And he was arrayed in armor from the future time. <laughs> so this and some of this will get pulled up again, but specifically that last line, Pelin L, which means a star made knight, meaning like maybe from the stars or for some boundary beyond where yep. they're used to, and was arrayed in armor from the future time. <laughs> so he has future armor. Okay, so was the armor from the future, or did he come from the future? Right. So, I mean, either way, that's peculiar. It's weird, right? Uh, yeah. All of this stuff is weird. And it's all written in a way where it was like, imagine somebody describing something they don't understand, and they're not able to say it in the context of what somebody who does understand it would explain. So, for example, if, if you were to imagine a cyborg coming from the future, Somebody in the past might see a big metallic person and think that they're covered in armor that looks futuristic, right? Rather than being a mechanized machine that's walking around in the shape of a human. Um, so Song of Pelinol v2, v3 v says, Pelinol called out Horamir of copper and tea into a duel at the Tor and ate his neck veins while screaming praise to Riemann, a name that no one knew yet. So... <laughs> The time that Pelinol is active in the world is before the Riemann dynasty. So one, he's either crazy and chomps some dude's like neck open with his human mouth, or he has some sort of cyber mouth and can use it to battle things and use that as like a killing blow and then yelled out the name Riemann. So that is one of my favorite pieces of writing from this series um because it's just such a ridiculous visual to me imagining this dude like just chomping on an elf's neck veins ripping him out so you've just got like i don't know it's like you're going hog wild a kfc or whatever and he's just screaming this name just like in his consistent blood fury which Pelinel just once he got going, it was just smash all the elves all the time. Yeah. That was yeah. That that was just his existence. So this is just such a rage-filled, ridiculous scene where he's screaming out a name of a future um emperor. Emperor. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? When I first read that years ago, I was like, what the hell is this? How is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so super, super crazy. Again, seems like a murder robot, like the Terminator or something. Sort of a Terminator, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Right, okay, so let's go into more proof that he's a cyborg, because there's more to this than the whole future thing. Those seem to be the two core bits of in-game text that leads us to believe he's from the future. 
So what about being a cyborg? And we're not just talking a robot. We're talking a cyborg, somebody who is human shaped, but also made, as, you know, is mechanical. So there are a few different things that also show up in the Song of Pelennal. One, one, one of the lines says, he was Pelennal the White Strike because of his left hand made of a killing light. So is that like a lightsaber hand or a laser hand that shoots? Is, is he like Mega Man and he's got like a pew pew and he shoots lasers out of his hand? Yeah, nice laser hand. That's fine. Or like uh, Iron Man and he's, and he's just like blast dude. Maybe he's freaking okay. Iron Man, right? There you go. Right. Or is it like a lightsaber? Does he have like, does he go and just like, I never thought of it in, in the concept of a lightsaber. I always assumed that he was just like, like the Mega Man thing that you said, where he just like puts out his hand. And he's like, Pew, and just like blast people because that's like, to be fair, Templars in game even sort of do that. So like, that was my first thought, but it's interesting to think of like, okay, well, does he have like a, a lightsaber type of thing? It's like, all right, that's, yeah. that could theoretically be as well. Could be a thing. Okay. There's another line that says, and this is the parts that I, I read previously, uh, the, the uh, a diamond-soaked red uh, symbol with the blood of elves whose facets could unsector and form into a man. So his facets, like his connections, the facets that the... Like <laughs> the bendy parts, the the crevices, the nooks, like facets, the things that connect together, the parts of so his body. He's, he's also a transformer. So he can transform into the shape of a man and whose every angle could cut her jailers. So angle like sharp edges, like whole body made out of sharp edged metal or something like that's what that sounds like, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's just it's so funny reading through this again. Right, right. And then the was a raid in armor from the future. Maybe that's a cyborg reference, not just a sure. future reference. Uh, there's another line that says, and they fell on him, speaking to their weapons, cutting the palinal into eighths while he roared in confusion, which even the council of skiffs could hear. So they chopped him into eight pieces. Like at, at some point, the enemy gets him, chops him into eight pieces, but he's still alive. Yeah. And it was Mort Morehouse, who we've talked a little bit about, who found the White Strake's head, which the kings had left to prove their deeds. And they spoke. His head was still alive. I'm yes, getting pictures he did of, not die when decapitated. Right. I'm getting pictures of like uh, C-3PO, you know, like hanging yeah. on Chewbacca's yeah, yeah, back. Okay. And yep. he's got like all his pieces together and he's got his like head hanging there and he's like oh dear yeah <laughs> that's the picture i get yep no that actually seems pretty on brand because yeah it's just a head on a plate that's still chatting it up with everybody right and they spoke and pelinal said things of regrets okay so this is this is it for the in-game stuff this is the in-game stuff i could find if there's other references that i've missed please let me know we could potentially, you know, rectify this in the future and call out some other references. There are some things that people think are references uh, from some other texts, but when I read them, I think that they're more likely to be pointing to something else. Um, so I don't, I don't consider them hard references. These are about as hard a reference as you can get to. So that's where we're at. What do you think so far? Is, do you feel like this is enough proof, or is this just weird and wacky stuff because the world is magical and magical things can happen? So... I've always 
kind of leaned more into the time traveling thing, which I, I'll preface by saying I'm generally not that big of a time travel fan as a trope in writing, but it tends to happen a lot. And they have their weird workaround with dragon breaks and linear time. Isn't necessarily a thing right. all the, all the time. So it's like, I, I, it doesn't bother me too, too much in the elder scrolls, but like the time traveling thing and his just unlimited, I would say grace of the gods because we made the joke that who didn't give a gift to Palinel right. when he went on his murderous rampage as well. So it seemed like everything was coming up Palinel. Well, when, when he went on his rampage, like it was just like, everything's coming up Millhouse. Okay. I'm glad you got the Simpsons <laughs> reference on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything really was though coming up Palinel. It was just like, give him everything and let him just run as much of a muck as he possibly can. So that the, the time travel thing definitely seems interesting. The cyborg thing I'm amused by, and I'm not totally sure when we're talking wacky theories, if I buy necessarily into that bit, just because I could see a lot of Dwemer based creation stuff be considered cyborg like so the fact that it would be tethered only to the dwemer and no nobody else would have access to that type of quote-unquote tech seems unlikely especially if he was really from a different period of time thrown backwards type of deal i could see him having some type of stuff like that which to somebody without that tech it might seem hard to describe and since everything's unreliably narrated in this it was it described in a way that really was or not it's it's hard to say because the text is so off the wall <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's part of what's fun about this stuff is that like oh yeah that it could be a, was it could my be favorite else. quote unquote like deep lore weird just like because oftentimes when the stories get too bizarre. I'm a little like, okay, this is a bizarre interpretation of something. This one I love because there's a decent amount to support it in game that it's like, eh, this dude doesn't just fit the normal weird magic stuff. He's really out there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that occurs to me is that a lot of these people probably hadn't seen mechanized Dwemer constructs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yep. they don't even have that as a reference. Right. So it's not like they're like you could argue like, well, but there's Dwemer constructs in the world. If he looked something like a mechanical cyborg, then well, wouldn't they have used that as a reference? You know, like he, he looked like a like a Dwemer construct, but more like a man, you know, like but they don't say that like there, there's none of that reference. But then again, most of them probably didn't have that reference yet. Most uh, of the people yeah, at I this wouldn't. time. I wouldn't think most of them would necessarily know that because going at the time period, if he's running amok on a lot of, you know, the, the Aldmer, the Dwemer haven't had their split off where it seems like that's where the majority of that came about. I mean, maybe there was parts of it back then, but it's like, to your point, I, I wouldn't think that it would be as prevalent yet. Um, just because of the time yeah. period, but yeah, even you, if, you know. even if th there were Dwemer that had split off and had made their, their machinations, most of them would be under mountains in right. Skyrim and Morrowind. And yeah, n most people on the, on the, you know, the continent would never have 
run into them. In fact, you, you play like Skyrim in, in that era. Most people probably still haven't seen a Dwemer mechanisms. Just because we as adventurers see them all the time doesn't mean that the common person or even the emperor would have seen something like that, you know? Um, so you can't argue that that's a point that somebody could have made. So, yeah, so weird stuff. We're going to take a break. We're going to thank our patrons and then we're going to come back with the stuff outside of the games that Kirkbride has written that lend what could be a lot of credibility to this theory. So stay tuned for that. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire and every one a sign. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode following is a public service announcement from the starter set dungeons and dragons podcast this is your D campaign this is the Starter Set Podcast. You know how, like, poison frogs don't lick each other's backs? So it's Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. Plop. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. <laughs> So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for Prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? All right. Thank you, patrons. You guys are amazing. You're the reason why we're able to do this. All 48 of you. Man, you think we could hit 50? I'm pushing for 50. I'm hoping we can hit 50 this month. That would be amazing. Thank you to everybody who helps support the show. And especially thank you to Daniel O, our Daedric Prince and Noodle Al Dente, our other Daedric Prince, our tier five patrons who get call out, calls out every week and everyone else who also helps support us. You guys are amazing. Also, those of you who are tier four or higher, you're welcome to join us at the end of every month. Um, T-Rex is a new patron as of today. Thank you so much, T-Rex. That's awesome. Thank you for supporting the show. You are what help us to do this and keep this going. This is my full-time thing now. This show and the other shows I do and running the network. So every little bit helps. I'm still working to completely replace my regular income. But every month I get a little bit closer and it's because you guys are so supportive and you help me keep doing these shows and I can't tell you how genuinely thankful I am for your support. It really means the world to me and it, and it means that I don't have to do other jobs. I can do this kind of thing and build communities and talk with you guys and talk about all the things that I love and hang out with Lotus and make some awesome shows and I can't tell you how much that means to me. You guys are amazing. If you would like to help support the show, check out patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. There's a bunch of different things you can get including ad-free episodes a day early 
all sorts of other things. Every one of the tiers has stuff and a lot. There's a lot of stuff even at tier one for like a dollar. It's it's really priced as, as good as I could possibly make it in order to say thank you for supporting. I want to give you guys as much as I can. So go check that out. And thanks again to all of our patrons. Let's go, go on with the rest of the show. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. Noodle says, living the American dream. Noodle, I really do appreciate it, dude. You've been a big supporter for a long time, and thank you so much. Um, all right, let's 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 get back to Pelinal here. So, okay, so in doing some research about this, I found a bunch of documents where he talks about Pelinal, where Michael Kirkbride talks about Pelinal in forum posts and these kinds of things later on. But I want to start with the uh, some foundation for this. He wrote a story about a cyborg which lends potential to the fact that he was already thinking about cyborgs when he wrote the stuff about Pelinal. And I'm going to read just a little snippet of this, and then we're going to go into more and more proof that what he thinks is the interpretation for this is the freaking Terminator. So, <laughs> so let's just start with this one. There's a story called Kinmune, which he wrote. And it was posted on uh, the 11th of September, 2011 um, in it was subtitled for you, my soul. Happy birthday. And it was something was part of this forum post. He's sharing some things. And the first paragraph goes like this. Kinmune. And then it's an acronym. Kinetically interlinked Nernian multi-user exoform started her existence as any other proxy synthetic of the ninth era. Arabic mining guilds. Ninth era. <laughs> We're up to the fifth. Ninth era. A limited sentience, deep pressure capable thought box. A dream sleevish shell used. That's a weird word. By remote mortal operators to run the rigs of Kinnereth's illicit breath trade. <laughs> I'm making these big eyed faces if you're not watching the actual video of this. Able to stream several live wire mortal proxies at once, Kinmune was a top of the line hazardous conditions warp runner exoform of an Aliadune hegemony nearing another unceremonious end. What? What? <laughs> All right. I'm going to preface for, for the sake of this. I, I love this stuff with this, but I will preface. <laughs> Michael Kirkbride wrote some really awesome stuff for the series. Yes. Michael Kirkbride on the forums makes my head hurt. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, what what era does Coda take place in? Oh, it's um, uh, you're going to have to look that up. It is sometime. I'll in the look future. that up for you. While, yeah, this while may you be continue on. This we, may we be synonymous with Coda. Coda is like yeah. them going into space on like spaceships and stuff. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, OK, so and he, he specifically says this is a cyborg like in the post, like this is a story about a cyborg. So he's got cyborg on the brain. All right. So what did Kirk Wright say about Pelinal specifically? Well, Let's start with some of his earliest posts. So on the nature of Pelinol, this was posted to a forum in uh, on 923.07. So this is right 
what is this? This is a few years after. No, this is right after Oblivion came out, maybe around the time right after Knights of the Nine released. And somebody was probably asking questions about this, right? So it was the end of the fifth era, apparently. Really? Yeah. That's extreme (laughs) for being the fifth era. Yeah, it's it's uh, set in the far distant future of the late fifth era. It may be the well, some eras last for a few thousand years, right? And it's directly after landfall, which we're we're going to need to keep this somewhat condensed. (laughs) or This is going to be a nine hour episode, (laughs) right? We've got lots of episodes to go over more wacky stuff uh, over the next few weeks. So so we can we can talk about Coda. Uh, We probably should in the future Um, (laughs) in the future. (laughs) So so what does he say about Pelinal? He writes uh, in response, Pelinal, his closest mythical model would be Gilgamesh. So Gilgamesh of the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, Bhagavad Gita. Which is the <laughs> oldest document we have access to that still survives and the foundation for many uh, of the Hindu faith. Um, or, yeah. Right, that's right. I think so. Yeah, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm not confusing things. I believe that's. Yeah, correct. no, I, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, and so Gilgamesh was kind of like a uh, early Superman, or um, uh, kind of like like he's he's the the superhero kind of guy who goes on a big adventure and comes back. He's the first example of the hero's journey, basically, in in history, and also one of the oldest stories we have access to. Um, it goes on and says, with a dash of T-800 thrown in, T-800 Terminator, and a full serving of brain fracture slaughterhouse antinomial kill three functions stuck in his hand or head. <laughs> so the idea is, I think what he's trying to say here is he's kind of like Gil- Gilgamesh and kind of like the Terminator. And at some point, his programming goes haywire and he goes on a killing streak, which would explain all the blood and gore and, and the, the like the moments that they describe in the myths of him, like just like spacing out and going crazy and just killing the entire battlefield like everybody. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, we tend to forgive those heroes like they do bad things. But in the end, it wasn't really their fault. Right. He goes on and says, and thousands of years of good coming from bad and or whitewash ignorance shame his song being read by the knights merely as fancy rather than right record like meaning like fantasy etc might explain the order's reluctance to vilify or apologize for him so they still venerate him as as a hero over just years of these kinds of this is kind of how things happen over the years right that you just kind of like learn to be okay with this stuff because oh he's still he's still a hero Plus, no one wants to get smothered in their sleep by moths. So, so they don't want to go against the order because they might seek them out and kill them. Um, that said, I sure would like to read the story of Alkosh whooping Pelinal's ass back to Sirod when the White Strake's progroms strayed too far into the Dragon Cat's land. So, that's Akatosh sending Pelinal back to the future after he confused the Khajiit as elves and went on a murder spree. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what he's saying there. <laughs> that's what he's saying. That's that's that that one's not even necessarily like 
to like that is just kind of what he's saying. Right. The thing about Michael Kirkbride, on the nose. This is... he's very flowery yes. when he speaks yes. <laughs> or writes. Right. So sometimes even something straightforward like, yeah, they sent her in the wrong time period turns into 17 lines of scripture, essentially. So right. Like... right. So in this, you have a reference to the Terminator, and then you also have a reference to Akatosh Alkosh sending him back to the future. So those two things are kind of referenced here and, and could be strong reasons for this. He also lets us know that like the interpretation of the texts and the way the texts read is basically from an unreliable narrator. The knights are no longer reading this as if it's objective record and more like it's fantasy and myth. Right. So, yeah. 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 So uh, let's move on with this. So in uh, 2008, um, on the 1st of April, he writes to another post, Palina was and is an ins- insane collective swarm foam war fractal from the future. You betcha. Swarm foam war fractal. So, yeah, April 1st. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right, right. Like, that sounds like an April Fool's thing, but that's all he writes about it. So is that a joke? Is it not? Yes. That's that. And who even knows what a swarm foam war fractal is? Well, see, and this is why um, it, it's funny because oftentimes nanobots, yeah, he, Maybe. he'll make up things that don't really have a concrete meaning. And he address like he'll occasionally reference them like, yeah, well, clearly everybody knows what this is, even though it's a thing I literally just made up five seconds ago. It's I don't mean to sound demeaning because I do like a lot of his writing, but like once once he kind of got off the official staff, <laughs> I find that it was almost like. Have you ever had a kid try to tell a story and and they're like, oh, and then this Power Ranger did this and they had all these powers and blah, 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 blah. And they're explaining all these things as they jump from one thing to another thing to another thing without actually trying to cohesively connect all the dots to the things. Right. And some right. of the things they're explaining, they're just using like immediate thought right there that to me has always struck with michael kirkbride's writing outside of the canonized version of right. michael kirkbride it's, it's like flow of thought stuff it, it, it just comes re- right yeah, out it's really a stream of consciousness stream of and consciousness, actually wayward it. had a great way of putting it yeah um where it's <laughs> He's a great idea guy, but is in desperate need of an editor. Yeah. And that's what they did. And we'll get to that and, a little bit. Uh, yes. In one and of the that's why I on. think that oftentimes it's the canon versions of what Michael Kirkbride added to the series, I think are awesome. And some of the coolest things in the series. Mm-hmm. And it was like, once they kind of 
let him off the reins, it was like, Oh, okay. Wow. This is a lot. Like <laughs> this is a lot of words <laughs> flying at us. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, maybe a war fractal, a swarm, swarm foam war fractal, some sort of <laughs> nanobots like gray goo, like they're saying in chat. It also sounds kind of like a nerf gun. I'm not going to lie. Also sounds like I want a swarm foam, uh, war fractal nerf gun. gun yeah. To shoot at my kids. Yeah. 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 Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot them with my laser arm. Um, all right. So then we have a, another post and this is another six years later. So six years later after that last post, which was 2008, we have one from seven, 14, 14. And it says, uh, and this is on the stylistic differences between in-game Michael Kirkbride works and obscure texts. So he says here, none of my in-game books were ever edited with the exception of a few lines in the Song of Palinol. One remorse. Okay, so a little bit of adult content here. Uh, just, just, just spoilers, or just so you're aware. Not really spoilers, but just so you're aware. You know, children. Maybe you want to use earmuffs. So you decide. Um, one removing Mori House's erection. What? Another stating that Pelinal was homosexual. So that piques your interest. Okay. What about that? It really boils down to being able to work within the confines of the team's current project that was and is easy enough to do if you have the experience and discipline to do it. So then the question becomes, okay, like I, I get why you might remove something like Maury House's erection. Like, did he do something that aroused Maury House? Like, that seems weird. Okay. Uh, but what about the homosexual thing? Like, well, why edit that? So that raises flags. Like, did was Bethesda avoiding this so that it wasn't controversial? Or, you know, like, what, what were they doing? Right. So then he answers, uh, and why was Pelinal's homosexual, homosexual sexuality edited out of the Abadal A, which is referenced here? Um, and it's, he says, the line changed from something like a hoplite who Pelinal often shared a tent with at night, referencing to his, his romantic partner, uh, yeah. to a hoplite who Pelinal loved well, which could be like brotherly love you could interpret that however you want right it yeah it, it could be a platonic thing or they could be lovers like e either way right. it could totally work either way you, you don't really know because it's not specific enough right that same hoplite gets killed cause, causing pelinal to go on one of his crazed destruction sprees you can go to the source text and figure out which part i'm talking about he says here the reason it was changed was a simple matter of keeping his sexuality ambiguous since the player was donning pelinal's armor completing a mission that he could not in a sense becoming him being so blunt about pelinal's sexuality was too definitive question mark in relation to the player character's own given the open nature of the elder scrolls player characters i felt that it was fine to keep it open to interpretation so this wasn't to make it ambiguous for uh censoring reasons or because they didn't want to have a homosexual character it was because they wanted you to feel like you were playing the character as yourself so that if you were a female playing as this character, you maybe you're not homosexual. You know, yeah. does that make sense? If you're a well, male playing this character, then it's a man man relationship. So you are. So it actually allows for both, which gives you more options. Also, the um, the other situation um, relating to this, which I mean, they, they've obviously we've made reference to there's different writers, different staff, all these things. But um, in the grand scheme of progressive acceptance of things elder scrolls is pretty much since 
the beginning been pretty open to anything goes like it's it's mm. they're not super conservative with a lot of what they do um, right right and it's funny they they've almost kind of just talked about it more in ESO as as they won uh the glad award just when they got but it's like you know they they have i mean the whole concept of vivek in general which is back with morrowind he's gender fluid right out the gate yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah they, they're not avoiding these topics right so like, it, it would almost be weirder if they were opposed to that type right, of thing right um so this makes to me this makes sense that it's like okay well it, he could be or not it it's kind of almost like well it doesn't matter i guess so so to speak like either way is fine yeah yeah so um so yeah so Pelinol could be either or, you know, according to this interpretation, but it allows you as the player character to really take that on for yourself. And um, Jedi Dweller just jumped on on YouTube. And yes, that that is who we're talking about. Pelinol Whitestrake. Um, and the last sentence, the last paragraph here says, but it's still there. If you look at Pelinol, the hoplite is the only one he gives non-familial affection to and his retaliation against not just the elves, but the whole world after his lover's death is enough, I think, to infer the original intent. So. He keeps that there. And here we are. That's it. <laughs> Those are all of the references. So I think we can say definitively that the character was defined as homosexual from the beginning. Right. And that that is that is something that was in the intent of the writer, but was made ambiguous for player reasons so that you as the player could experience the relationship based on your own gender because you get to choose that. So it opens up more freedom. So I think so we've got three things here. Uh, sexuality. And then we have from the future and we have cyborg. So sexuality, I feel like that's that's a firm confirmation. I, yeah, I, that I that's one about as not... firm as you can get. That one, so his, his sexuality thing, that seems as easily believable as anything in the series. Like that just like, okay, that that doesn't even seem like a reach. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's like, yep, that's fine. Like, yeah, to and, totally makes sense. Like, And uh, Wayward, uh, Wayward World Hopper in chat says, I love the whole thing about the hoplite because it's such a clear reference to Achilles and Patroclus. Patroclus? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I get what you're saying. The whole, they, they had a relationship like that. Yep. And, um, so, yeah, I think that one is about as firm as you can get with this. Right. And most of Kirk Bride's writings are they're unique because that's actually one of the things I like so much. They are very unique, but he bases them off either real world religions or longstanding stories. Like you can see a lot of his influences in creating his own world based on something else. It's like, here's my, you know, here's what I've created. And I use this as a reference point. I always liked that about his writings. It's, it's just enough of a connection that if you look it's there, but then his stories are so unique and off the wall. Like that was one of the big things with Moro and the drew me in when I was just like, what is this? Yeah. So, yeah. There's so much here that's unfamiliar, but yet still it, kind of familiar. But it's just familiar enough that yeah. it's like you feel a connection and a grounding, but it's, it's really off the wall at the same time. Exactly. Okay. So what about the, from the future thing? You think that we have that one again, it, I feel like, there's some probability of that. If he's not from the future, he has to have some type of way of seeing the future. Cause like the, the one thing that to me, 
I, is what I always thought was so bizarre is just like, why, like, what is the connection to screaming out the name of an emperor who is yet to be like, and Riemann's not a common name. You don't see it that much in the, it's not even a common name in the series where it's like, Oh, everybody's name. Like, it's not like its name is Mike or Steve. Like <laughs> there aren't a lot of Riemann's even in the series. So it's like, it's a very specific name yelled out. It's like, there's gotta be some connection going for. So it's like, I, I can see it. Like I can see either coming back through time or, you know, having some type of, vision into the future one way or another it seems like he can see forward through time whether he was pulled back through it or if he can just see into it whatever the case right or created with the knowledge of the future even if he, he never was there like maybe that was there just foundational himself. yeah to his creation itself so if, if he was created by the adra by right. by kine um then maybe he was you know kind deposited knowledge of the future inside him yep. and he isn't necessarily sent from the future um, right or you know and and there there are some references to akatosh as well so maybe kind and akatosh and we also have references to most of the divines equipping him with some sort of weapon or piece of armor right all, right so maybe all together you put them all together you stick akatosh on there who's in charge of time and he very well could have been not necessarily brought back in time but at least created with knowledge of what the future holds or the, what the future potentially holds should things yes. not get changed on the flip side of that, uh, based on where's that part where he's from the ninth era. Was it? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So he, he was, uh, we'll get to the cyborg part last, but like the cyborg from the ninth era, uh, with the illicit, so this illicit is, this is Kimune. So this is Kimune. It, yeah. It's a different cyborg, but is is said to be from the right well, with the reference point is more of what right. i meant because it right. seems like it's more of a parallel it's not commune is necessarily Riemann, but like there's the connection of like i almost wonder if it's like okay that seems to be where his thought process is it makes me curious how far in the future he was planning because when we even got to the references to you know we'll have to do something on coda one day which I'll regret because I'm well, you, oh, you I mean, you can poop all over it. <laughs> like, it well, I just mean reading it fine. makes my brain explode, <laughs> um, but it, it's fine. It's fascinating. Just like this. It's another fascinating read. Um, but like the, um, the situation with that, it's like how far into the future was he thinking? And that was my question of, was that too far for Bethesda where they're like, oh, okay, let's rein it in here. We're not going to plan out the next several sections because <laughs> we don't know where we're going with the series yet for gameplay reasons. Right. So I'm wondering if that was where it got reined back in, even if that was his thought, did Bethesda kind of stop that as a controller of the, property itself was was that a little too far it's like okay mm -hmm. we can make some references to him being from the future but let's not get too concrete on exactly what he's doing in the future and how he was sent back and all of that stuff exactly yeah i, I think you might be right um but i i think this this is a little bit more maybe maybe not um He's either from the future or he has knowledge of the future. I think Definitely. That's, I would that's solid. agree with that. Now, is he specifically from the future to come back like the Terminator and change that the future? That gets a little dicey. Maybe, maybe not. Could maybe be. he's just on a mission for the Divines to do something that they need done. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, and and ultimately, what's the difference between a cyborg malfunctioning and a human having a mental breakdown? <laughs> right? Fair, like <laughs> fair. Yeah. And what's the difference between a cyborg with robotic weapons and a human with magic weapons? Well, that's armor? just it. You know, like because magic exists. Mm-hmm. It's why I. It's kind of a little like, ah, are we splitting hairs? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like uh, laser, you know, a death laser beam coming out, death light coming out of his arm. Like, okay, yeah, it's but like, like, isn't aren't people throwing fireballs? Like, is I mean, like, based on, on mid year mayhem, I learned that every Templar on the on on the face of Nern is going to hit me with their execute Jesus beam thing. And anyways, <laughs> and that's essentially seems exactly like what Pelinel was throwing out. <laughs> right. So which is it? We, you know, eh, I think this one's a little iffy. All right. Now let's, let's wrap it up with cyborg. All right. The cyborg what about one cyborg? is the one that I'm the most like in terms of these things. They're all pretty crazy, but like, it this to me is the one that it's like i guess but like unsector and form into a man cut people with every angle of like their body that's what's implied um uh was cut into eighths and continued to roar while while that happened so didn't die head could still talk so that's the big one if that's supposed to be like a real thing Mm -hmm. where he legitimately was still talking type of thing and like carried on i don't know of an example in elder scrolls where that happens so depending upon the strength of the creature wait wait there is okay so the only example i know where that happens is in the elsewhere story where um uh the old guy the cadwell old, cadwell the cadwell story cadwell yes. you find cadwell's head and it talks but it's been dead for a long time and is resurrected through necromancy yes it's not the case of somebody just being decapitated and their head goes on talking and having conversations there's <laughs> the other situation of um in the sigic order uh guild quest line from the Somerset expansion, you have that uh, crystal skull thing from another dimension mm-hmm. chatting your ear off. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but that's kind of that creature's being that can go between planes of existence. It's so it's not like, the same thing. It's not somebody right, getting their head exactly. severed from their it's body. Not, it's not the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's where we get to the situation of what is the difference between magic and mechanical understanding within this world because when you have something like i mean uh i guess morrowind spoilers not elder scrolls online morrowind like morrowind when michael kirkbride was writing for morrowind <laughs> um sill is largely robotic mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. as well as many of his apostles he can also die because he does <laughs> um, yeah. Alexa kills him <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. and he doesn't carry on. So there are limits to that. So it does make it a little, it, 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 it just like this whole thing. It's not super clear cut. It's a little bit dicey, but at the same time, 
it makes me curious what's the difference between magic and enchanting with him and just being like i'm a cyborg i almost wonder to a point where do you draw the line with what matters yeah like yeah you know what i mean like what would be your definition of it so that kind of determines where you fall on the fence because again it doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility because there are people who are mechanically enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, as with a lot of these things, I I'm okay with withholding uh, belief. I'm okay with going, well, it could have been either. And I don't yes. know yet. And if I get more information about this in the future, maybe I'll learn more about it. And if I don't, then it'll be fun to wonder if it was one or the other. Like, right. I, I think it's totally okay to be up in the air with these kinds of things. A lot of people don't like that feeling, but no, I think I, that's totally fine. I like an answer when there is one and mm-hmm. I feel comfortable with more comfortable with the other two where it's like, eh, it's got some future reference. This one, I'm very much like, mm, I don't really know if I have anything super concrete here. Like this one, I could see really either way um, in, 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 the grand scheme of things, because so much of it, I feel like is almost the interpretation of what would you consider a cyborg in this world? Right. Because the concept gets a little muddled when you can literally resurrect things via necromancy, you know, necromantic magic or enchant things to appear alive or a myriad of other things. Right. Right. And uh, I wanted to reference this. Uh, Birch says, is it something like um, the myth of when somebody is beheaded? They could potentially talk for a few seconds after or something like that. Oh, yeah. There's, um, yeah. So th- there were some studies and I'm putting this in quotes that the French did uh, during I believe it was the last time they used a guillotine in the mid 1900s where they told one of the um, people to blink afterwards to see if they still could. And it turned out that uh, one or two of them could. <laughs> so th- you still do have some functionality until enough blood comes out of your head for your brain to stop working. Um, seems to be the case. But the way the the text here um, is written, it says it was Morehouse who found the White Strake's head. So that implies that his head was not found and so must have been placed somewhere to be found. So this wasn't immediately after the beheading. Um, and uh, they spoke and Pelinal said things of regrets. So that sounds like a conversation. It doesn't say and Pelinal so- said I'm sorry, uh, or the castle of, uh, yeah, you know, like that's not the conversation they had. It it would be much. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it sounds like there was much more of a a decent conversation continuing on. Right. But then again, uh, and Drek in chat says maybe necromancy wasn't involved. It's uh, maybe they brought the head back and it talked. Right. So again, this stuff is like, it's, it's ambiguous. There's really not a hard answer to this. Who knows? You know? Yeah, this is, um, I'm glad we covered this because this one is super amusing because it's really off the wall, but a decent amount of it is actually grounded in the game, which is a lot of these off the wall theories are funny, but it's like, well, okay, this is based on weak, situational evidence or something like that. This one I love just because it's like, there's a pretty compelling argument that this could totally be a thing. And this is totally off the wall. And it's, I feel like since I, I don't consider the forums quite, uh, it's something that I would l- l- totally load 
into the category of things I would consider important to the series personally. Um, from that perspective though, I think it does give you good insight what he was thinking while he was writing some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think that's what gives it a little bit more. Right. Credence, a so little bit more potential. the exact statements might not be there, but it gives a direction to what the thought process was while writing it. And then what we got after some editing was the notes in game, which it's like, Oh, it's kind of still there. Like it, it's definitely kind of still there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, feel free to join us on the robots radio discord. Give us some thoughts. And if you dig up anything else about this that you would like to reference, I'd love to see that as well. Um, but yeah, maybe we should even put a little, uh, little twitter poll out there like which was pelino white streak what, what do you think let's see what people have to say um, yeah but we'll be back in future weeks to talk about some other weird and wacky lore or theories about lore or theories about theories about lore or theories about theories about theories about lore it, the iceberg gets pretty deep so <laughs> we'll be back with some of that stuff lotus what else do you have going on what do you have to share before we head out um not too much we uh didn't end up getting to record just because of uh, everything being super busy last week um with tales but ideally we'll be recording this uh saturday again and hopefully i will be able to stream more Battlespire now that mid-year mayhem is over um because i know i've had a deluge of requests to go back into Battlespire and try to finish. Um, people <laughs> Why like are to you watch playing ESO? Yeah, what are you doing? Pretty, pretty, pretty much. So now that Mid-Year Mayhem has ended, I will be going back to Battlespire. Um, You're having too much fun. Stop it's it. It's true. Stop uh, having I, fun. Torture I, yourself. I, I, and, you know, that was the thing. I really paid nice tribute to Pelinel and smashed lots of skulls for double AP during that. And then, uh, yeah, so that, that fun has ended, but at the same time, I, uh, will be jumping back into battle spire. I I'm getting close. Uh, the level I'm on is super brutal. It's called the chimera of desolation was the last place I was at, but, uh, in the uncommon way of saying nice things about battle spire, man, the atmosphere in that game is just, it's really good. They, they, they build a mood with pixelated graphics and nice. really eerie music, which is a, is a mood and a setting that I wish the series would actually go a little more back into, even if it's just around like holiday, like Halloween again or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like good creepy. It's, it's got a good creepy vibe. It's that. got a good creepy vibe where I'm at. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll have to tune into some of those streams. I'll, I'll look for when you, when you do yeah, that for sure. And, um, I've been, I've been updating my, uh, streaming setup some more. I've, you know, I've got my, I was able to get an Xbox series X. Uh, I was able to get my hands on one through just, Oh, nice. I, I found a, well, I happened upon a Twitter channel that tweeted it out right when, uh, Best Buy had it. So I was able to pick one up. I, I, <laughs> oh, we got a dog barking. Uh, Lotus's dog is saying hi. Um, yeah, but is going to say hi. <laughs> so yeah. So I happened to click on it soon enough and it went in my cart and I bought it. So I was like, okay, well now I'm, and we've got the Xbox game pass show on Monday nights that, um, Sam from the mass effect Lorecast and I do together. And so I was like, well, now I get to try out all these game pass games on a series X. So now I've got the ability to stream that. So I'm going to be streaming some of those games, uh, when I get time. So if you guys want to jump in my channel and play some, if you want, we have the, uh, game pass gang together on the discord. There's a channel for people who 
have the game pass or just play any i mean anybody can join as long as you have those games you can play with us you know if, if you're into any of those games at all um so stay tuned for that stuff it's awesome stuff um the mass effect Lorecast show is on sunday nights and all the videos i'm um, answering jedi's question in chat all the videos are on our youtube channel if you want to catch up with that stuff or you can check out of course the recordings on whatever podcatcher um you have and uh so that's that's going on with that stuff so i've been updating my stream i hope you guys like the new layout we're trying some different things it looks a little bit different i was trying to get a little even more different than this but i wasn't able to do certain things been messing with stuff you know i always like changing things up and um there's one more thing i was gonna say uh oh it fell out of my brain oh um i told you about crowfall you did tell me about crowfall so this game is is cool and the reason i'm bringing it up on this show is because it is primarily a pvp style mmo and yes. it's a buy once game. You can get it for 40 bucks or less. There's, you can get like a 10% off coupon pretty much anywhere. You just got to search it. So what was that? Like 40 or 36 bucks. You can buy the game. Sounds about right. Get in, uh, start playing. And it reminds me of like if somebody was to mash together the PVP elements of uh, Elder Scrolls Online and a game kind of like uh, with the graphic style more similar to World of Warcraft. So it's a little bit more cartoony but then really thought out how PVP could work in the long term mm-hmm. and spent the last year, five years figuring that out. And there are something like, I want to say, what is 12 classes? And all 12 classes have three prestige classes that they can be. So what is that? 36? Oh, Lord, I didn't get that far into the video and all that oh, stuff man. yet because I've been researching it since you messaged me with it. Yeah, so. 36 variations on classes. So you could go like cleric, but then there's three different variations of cleric. Or you go like ranger, but there's three variations of ranger or like pyromancer or, um, you know, knight or whatever. But then there's variations on each. So lots of them have the ability to spec out towards more tanky, more DPS, more healer. And then there's even variations of like more CC DPS, more CC tank, more CC healer, more tanky healer, you know, like Interesting. There, there's different ones that you can build out. And the idea is that you, once you get to a certain level, most of what you're doing is coordinating with your guild in order to push the enemy further out of accessing resources. And there's a lot of this like resource churn and it's called crowfall. And, um, and coordinating with these attacks and so you're going out into the world to fight like pve zones in order to get, gain those resources but then the enemy might come along so you have to defend yourself against the pvp of the enemy and depending on the zone you're in if you die you lose like half your gold or all of the gold on you so there's real stakes of yeah dying or leaving your group too far or not coordinating with your group and each little world that you're in has a lifespan and that's what's so interesting about this is so if we if we formed a guild and we jumped into a world we would fight in that world for let's say 30 days and it goes through seasons there's spring summer fall and then winter and it gets more and more difficult to gather resources as the seasons go on and so the the intensity of it ramps up over time interesting kind of like in eso when you're doing like cyrodiil and they've got like the seasons you know when you somebody becomes emperor and all that kind of stuff right similar kind of thing um so you play through the season and then you see how far you get and then you take all the things that you got from that season and then they they decline over time so you, you use them when a new season starts to try to get 
good gear again yeah, in like order kick to start your new season your new season and then you, you kind of push forward again with a different different group but there's three main groups that are pushing against each other just like in eso so yep. there's a lot of these similarities it's it's really not expensive to get into there's no monthly fee and um i think it'd be cool if some of you guys wanted to, it's only on pc right now but if some of you guys want to jump in with me i'll be playing that um if enough of you want to jump in with me we can form our own guild and we can do that otherwise i'll be joining somebody else's guild and we can all just make sure we join the same guild um but it's it's been in like development for five years now it was a kickstarter game and it's out there so I think it would be really cool. And that's the the other thing is that like you don't have to be just really good at fighting. You could be a support class and help your team out or you could be better at uh, managing the economy and collecting things and making things. So there's roles for everybody in your guild in order to strengthen the rest of the guild because manufactured weapons are actually the strongest kinds of weapons you can get. So if you have a really good uh, ability to get the resources you need, bring them back to your makers, have your makers make really good quality weapons and armor, then that turns into a loop where it's easier for you to fend off the enemy in order to get more resources to bring back to your makers. So there's lots of different roles for lots of different people. It's a very new way to do PvP, which is fairly complex, but I think is really cool. So I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Going on about it. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, but as always, uh, you guys are welcome to join me on the Discord and join in for games. Join our Game Pass gang and uh, check out any of the shows at robotsradio.net. And coming up next in about 15 minutes, we will have the Dungeons and Dragons lore cast and we'll be discussing Eberron. If you guys know anything about Eberron, it's very cool. It's a very cool different setting than Faerun. So stay tuned for that. Don't go anywhere. And Lotus, thanks for joining me again. And everyone, have a My good night. Pleasure. Stay safe out there. We'll see you guys later. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey, Guardians. We are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier Podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We, we hope, hope you check, check us, us out. out. Thanks! Thanks. Traffic and weather.
Welp, looks like almost everyone's still dead. So traffic is at a standstill. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, because they're totally not bribing me with massive amounts of chems or anything. Seems as the stuffed shirts are back at the White Springs playing games with that total loser modus. But hey, if that's your thing, whatever. So if all you squares wanted to hear more, totally, sort of, but maybe not boring stories about rebuilding Appalachia and being all goody two-shoes, definitely not Raiders, check out this thing they call a podcast, The Modus Files, whatever that's supposed to be, on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you listen to those things. Double ugh, they're not paying me enough for this. Silly.